Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind and try to make us believe that we are the exception. I'm different. This doesn't apply to me. I'm not the one. Oh, I've got this all in my hand. No, we don't. We do not. If we had it all in our hands, it certainly wouldn't look like this, would it? So this is God's church, and today we're going to learn what God wants to do in his church. Now, I told you, You feel like you've been to hell and back this week? Guess what my house has looked like? Because I knew the topic we were preaching on. And in the first couple of days, I started, I was kind of crying. And then about halfway through the week, I woke up. Right? Because when we're deceived, we don't realize we're being deceived. When we're in the middle of a spiritual attack, sometimes it's not straight on and obvious. And so I remember sitting there at one point and going, oh, my gosh. I know exactly what's happening. (laughs) It's because I'm teaching on spiritual opposition this week. That's what it is. And so the very enemy of ourselves, already we've seen it, doesn't want us to get a true understanding of what spiritual opposition and spiritual warfare is. Because he knows when you get that revelation, when you get that understanding, you're going to have power beyond any power that you've ever had before. Now, we have power when we get the Holy Ghost, but we don't always tap into that power, do we? A lot of times we think, oh, that power's for right there in that moment, but you can go home and you can speak against those things that are coming against your house. You can call things out that are not as though they are. That is all scripture. And so when we get that power and get an understanding, he knows that he's not going to have a tool that he can use against us that is going to be productive now, he's been studying every one of us our whole lives. The one thing we can say about the enemy, and I'm gonna, I am going to say this straight off the bat. I'm not giving glory to the enemy today. I'm merely trying to give us a glimpse into the tools that he uses and the things that he works with. None of this is meant to bring him glory. When I begin to tell you who he is and what it looks like in your life or my life, I'm not bringing him glory. I'm trying to give you that ability to go, wait a minute, I've been hearing that. That makes sense. That's where that comes from. So he knows when we get that, we're going to be unstoppable. So today I've come to implore you, to beg you, to beseech you, know your enemy. Look at your neighbor and say, know your enemy. So to me, there's no other way to address this topic than to just jump right in. Is that okay? That good? Everybody good with that? All right. So when my husband and I first came to church, you know, we had been in another church. It was not a church that taught truth. It was a church that we were committed to and we were very devout to. And we certainly had experiences with God there. But when we came here, our experiences were limited to um, a call and response environment. And independent prayer wasn't necessarily, like, I literally did not know how to pray. I knew canned prayers. I knew recited prayers that I had learned over time. But I didn't truly know 
that I could just look at God, I need you like right now. I need you to step into this situation right now. And so I remember when Bishop was in our house, he said, look, I'm not a counselor and I cannot fix things, but I know the counselor. It would, can we do a Bible study together? And in my head, I thought, what, what is studying the Bible going to do to fix what we got going on? I mean, how is that even going to fix anything, right? Um, see, I had grown up in church, and when things got bad, I went to my pastor. And I said, man, things are bad. We are getting ready to get a divorce. You just don't understand. Of course, I didn't tell. I didn't open up that can of worms where I like said, and this is going on, and that's going on, and I did this, and he did that. I didn't go down that road. I just said, we got big problems that people get divorced for, and we need help because we're getting ready to get a divorce. I, I, I had already told my husband, I don't love you. I don't want to be married to you anymore. Let's call it quits. And his response to me was, you just got to suck it up and get over it. People have problems all day, every day. You just got to learn to deal with it. And in my head, I thought, you think I've got the answer to this. If I had the answer to this, I wouldn't be coming to you. We wouldn't be in this place. That's the best you got. And that was the best he had. So when Bishop said to me, let's study the word of God, I was like, I, I don't get how that's going to work. But we've tried everything else, I guess. Yeah, sure. Why not? Right. And so as we began to study, now I'm going to be transparent with you. Reading the Bible was not an easy task. I would start to read, in the beginning was the word. Wow, I think I, done, I forgot to put the groceries away. Hold on, hold on, hold on. In the beginning, in the beginning God created. Wait, hold on a second. Did I turn the stove off? And it wasn't just those things. It was in the beginning God created and thou and theest. And he said it was like, talks like this like what is this and so it was very challenging so thank god we had somebody coming over to us that's why it's important for us as new babes come in and get the holy ghost and are baptized in jesus name we can't leave them here assuming that they've got an understanding we have got to take them and teach them a bible study and the one hour studies are great but they get them to the plan of salvation it doesn't get them into relationship we need to teach those longer studies that's just a shameless plug for the importance of a bible study but it led us to a place where we began to understand that there was more to the Bible. It wasn't just a book. There was life in the Bible. And a funny thing began to happen. Bishop would come over, as he did. He'd say, I'm coming over. We're going to do Bible study. It's like, okay. And initially, this was like maybe three times a week, four times a week, a couple hours at a pop. And, you know, because the Holy Ghost knew what was going on. And... It was just like, I, he'd study, and it was great, and I could see it while he was there, but then he'd leave, and I'd be like, okay, that was good, and I didn't know what to do with it, but eventually, God began working on my heart, and he'd leave, and i think, man, that was a really interesting study. I wonder where he, I wonder how he knew that, or where he heard that from. Didn't he say, and I'd start to look in the Bible and look it up for myself, and so I began to develop this relationship with the Word of God, excuse me, that, um, all of a sudden, I started getting really, I mean, hungry for it. I understood what that meant, to be hungry for the Word of God. I couldn't get enough of it. And so in my reading and on my stumbles, I came across a verse that really, really stuck with me. And it's become one of my favorite verses. In fact, it's the, the first verse I ever memorized, but I never memorized it. I understood 
what the Bible talks about when it talks about God writing his word on the tablets of our hearts. Because as I read this, it resonated so much with me that I don't remember taking it in like that, but I remember a couple of weeks later somebody saying something to me, and I said, well, doesn't the Bible say, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places? And then I went, whoa, how did I know that? Where does it even say that? And I went back and I looked it up, and that was word for word. And so I understood quickly that this was a word that God wanted to get into my spirit because it is one of the key things that if we will take in and hold on to and never let go of, it's a weapon we have in our arsenal in our fight against the enemy. Because, see, we're driving down the street on a Monday, and that person who cut us off and then did some really not-so-nice sign language toward us We might think that they're our enemy, but they're not our enemy. They're just the vessel that the enemy used in that moment. Or I might walk into the house and somebody might have left something in front of the door and I've asked them 30 times not to do that. I trip over it. I hurt myself. And I'm like, ah! And I might think my family is my enemy. They're not my enemy. It's just the vessel the enemy is using at the moment. See, we are all vessels. And we get to choose who we follow, and who we allow to use us, right? Now, we're two people. Well, I say two people. We, are, we have a physical nature. We have a spiritual neighbor. Get na- nature. Guess which man thrives? Does anybody know the answer to this one? Sister Barry, the one you feed the most. So I'm going to ask you a question. What you been grubbing on? Who you been feeding? You've been binge watching Netflix for 12 hours straight so you can get to the end of the 12th season of whatever that show is. Scrolling through Facebook for six hours. Go take a look. I tell you, it will not lie to you. Go take a look on this thing because it'll tell you where you've been spending your time. Right? And the deal is, is it can happen. Like, you can blink your eyes and you're like, I was only on there for 10 minutes. What, six hours later? Are you kidding me? Right? But we're not feeding anything but our flesh in that moment. And that does nothing for us eternally. So I want you to stop and reflect. I don't want you to tell me. I don't want to know because I got my own problems and I'm trying to deal with it because God's been dealing with me all week, right? What you been grubbing on? What are you feeding? Are you feeding that spiritual man more? Are you feeding that physical man more? Are you investing in the things of this world that will bring absolutely no eternal value? Or are you investing in things that will bring you closer to God and help you to fight this fight of faith, to lay hold on eternal life? Now, we know who our enemy is not, so let's look at who our enemy is. Revelation 12, verses 7 through 9 gives us this account. And there was a war in heaven... Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, and he was cast out into earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Satan is the deceiver. He's the enemy of your soul. 
He's been studying you for years. He's been studying me for years. He knows our patterns of behavior. He knows what's going to come against our flesh. He knows what's going to trip us up. And guess what? He's got all those tricks in his bag, and he's not afraid to use any one of them. He's very patient about it. And so as we look today, we are going to look at some of these tactics because I want you to stop and do some self-reflection as I talk to see Have you heard any of these things in your own life? First of all, we've got to make sure that we are on the same page with some things, that we have a common understanding, because I'm going to, I'll explain why in a minute. The book, the Bible, I meant to bring my Bible up here, here, let's see. This book is, this book is the inspired word of God, right? Every word in this book is true. It is not just a story written by men about God. It is a story, group of stories, written by God for man. This is how we know him. If we don't spend time in this, how can we know him? The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word God. The the word was God. The word is God. If this sits on my nightstand and collects dust... If the only time I pick it up is to bring, and I'm going to encourage you, it's great. Bible apps are fantastic. Get rid of them. Because every new update, how do you know that the enemy isn't changing the word in that app? There's going to come a day and a time where we won't be able to own this. We must treasure it for what it is worth all day, every day. All day, every day. And so this now is a book about God, by God, for us. If you have trouble with that concept, think of it this way. When the president of a company dictates a letter to people that he wants to send that out to, he sits down with a secretary and says, Sister Smith, or Ms. Smith, take this letter for me. And he begins to speak. She writes the letter, and she sends it out. Who is that letter from? It's not from Mrs. Smith. It's from the president of the company. So this may have been physically pinned by men, but this is a book written by God. Why is that important? Because the enemy is going to say things, and if he hasn't, just wait, because you're going to come across some verses that you don't like, that God's dealing with you on some things. It's going to grate us. This is our sword of the Spirit, and swords cut, and they hurt, and they injure, but God heals, and so the enemy's going to say things to you like, that's just a book written by man. It was, it was never meant to be taken literally like that. We don't have to believe that. Noah really didn't live for that long. There's no way one man could have built. He's going to do that to you. If he hasn't, be aware he will. You're not immune to it. Every one of us have been there because you're going to come up against something in this word that grates against your flesh. And so the enemy will do anything he can to try to discredit this. The first thing he's going to do is to get you to question it. He did that where? Exactly, in the Garden of Eden with Eve. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more subtle than any, which is hilarious, because I mean, really, how subtle is he? You know, I love that word. He's certainly not as subtle as he used to be. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, 
we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, you shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, God, God didn't say that, did he? No, she added to what God had said. God just said, hey, you can eat anything here. Just not that one, but you can eat anything here. But when she took her eyes off of what God truly said and she listened to that doubt that he planted, it wasn't the abundance that she had anymore. It was that one thing that she couldn't have that she went after. And so... The serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Oh, did he really? See, the enemy knows that was his problem. That was his problem, right? It, it, he knew he tried casting his issue onto her. And how many times do we do that with each other? I can look at somebody else all day long and go, well, you da 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 And then all of a sudden God says, yeah, but... um." You know, just take a look introspectively because you do all those things exactly, right? <laughs> and so the enemy projects that onto her and gets her to doubt it just enough that she takes that one step. She goes, hmm, maybe it's not so bad after all, right? And so she eats it and she gives to her husband. Now notice, all the devil had to do was to get her to question God's intention and God's motive. It was a simple, tac simple tactic, but it was very effective because why? It worked, right? And the enemy is still using that today. You start to read the Bible and it's like, well, you can do that. I mean, I know the Bible says don't do that, but I mean, come on, really? I mean, that, that's a book for written for another time. It was written for another group of people. You just really can't read it that way. And that's, that's not the truth, right? I mean... It's, it's the same tactic regardless of what the phraseology is that the enemy comes to us. The devil wants us to question God and his motives for us. And so the truth is, the devil knows the power in God's word. Why do you think he wants to get you to question it? Right? We weren't meant to be everybody else. Sometimes it's like God will say, okay, Bridget, you know, I know that that person can go do that, but I'm, I want to tell you, you're not allowed to go do that. And I'm like, but God, Sister Staten does that. Well, I guess if Sister Staten does that, it's okay, right? Well, no, God said, I didn't say it was sin for Sister Staten. I said it was sin for you. And I know what the end of it is for you. And so your walk with God may not look like the limitations that God places on you may not look like the limitations that they place on somebody else. And that's why it's important for you to have your own walk with God. The enemy knows what your trip-ups are going to be. That's why he gets us to question those things. All right. So the devil knows the power in God's word. It is living. It is breathing. It's the whole reason why you can read a verse today and read it two weeks from now and you get something totally different from it because God will show you how to apply it to where you are right now. But he gets you to question it so that he can take it and twist it just enough to fit whatever narrative he wants to speak to you in that moment. So we have to be wise about that. The enemy is a deceiver. Now, guess what? Not only is he a deceiver, he is a liar. Look at your neighbor and say, he's a liar. The Bible tells us 
oh, and this is where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Okay, I loved the way Jesus would talk to the Pharisees. Anybody ever, like, kind of grab how Jesus does this when he's talking to the Pharisees and he's addressing an issue? And he got nothing to lose. He's God in the flesh, right? I mean, he knows the end of it. If they kill him, that's great because he'll just fulfill what he was sent to do sooner, right? But, you know, the, the Pharisees are sitting there getting him to question. He's totally got them completely like, what is he talking about like they can't understand how this simple man would know what they know but he's talking to the pharisees and he's just straight up with them he says you do the deeds of your father then they said and well like they're confused we're not we weren't born of fornication we have one father i mean even god jesus says to him if god were your father you would love me for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. Like, you can't get any more plain than that. I'd like to say that to some people sometimes, wouldn't you? And the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Okay, hold on. So he is a deceiver. He's a liar. He's a murderer. And abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar. And guess what, guys? He's not just a liar. He's the father of all of them, right? Any lie that's out there, guess where it came from? He is the father of all lies. Now, he might and often does use a person's mouth to deliver that lie, but he is the father of every lie. And remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So we know where it originated from. And we cannot, tell your neighbor, say, we cannot. We cannot allow ourselves to fall prey to mistaking where it came from. I can't look at Cameron and say, girl, you lied to me, and now you're my ultimate enemy, right? No, it's not Cameron. You know, it's not my husband. It's not your neighbor. It's not your children. It is the devil. And we can all, I can be used by the devil as a tool if I am not careful to protect myself and to have discernment and ask God for discernment and wisdom about those situations. It's also why we have to know God's word for ourselves. Because if we are not a student of the word, the Bible says to study to show ourselves approved. If we're not a student of the word, when the enemy comes in and starts twisting it for us, then guess what? We just take it for gospel. <laughs> but if I know it, I can say, oh, oh, hold up, uh-uh, that is not what the Word of God says. This is what the Word of God says about that. The enemy is the deceiver. So I'm just going to say a, a few things. I'm not going to look at anybody. I didn't have anybody in mind when I wrote these things except myself because these are all things that I have heard before. Kind of like that you might be a redneck if... Okay, you might be under spiritual attack if you have heard any of these things coming to your mind. The devil is going to tell us things like, God doesn't care if you do that. Or, well, you know, you do live in this world. I mean, God hasn't come back yet. Why don't you just live a little? You've got time, and then you can just repent afterwards. How about this one? And this was one I, str I struggled with. But seriously, it says, <clears throat> you know, your kids need to be well-rounded. It's not going to hurt if they miss church for X, Y, or Z. I mean, 
God, y'all are already so involved in church. You don't want them to resent you or to hate church, do you? I mean, you've got to give them a little bit of leeway. I mean, you know. How about this one? God made you this way. He understands. Now, that can apply to a lot of different scenarios, i.e., God knows you've got a spirit of anger. He understands. God knows you have a hard time cussing and giving it up. He understands. Well, you know what? (laughs) Yeah, he understands, but there's grace for a period. And I certainly don't want to take for granted that grace. How about this one? I know pastor or sister so-and-so said dot, dot, dot. But you're the exception. They don't really mean you. You've been around a long time. You get the carte blanche. You don't, that wasn't you. That was somebody else. Or you've done your time. Just sit back. Let somebody else do it. It's somebody else's heyday. Just let somebody else have their turn. How about this one? You just don't understand. My situation is different. You don't understand. I mean, I know that that works for everybody else, but I'm different. I'm the exception. It's not that way in my situation. I get, right, the free pass. How about this one? You have a right to be mad. They really messed you up. you got a right to be mad. You don't have to forgive them. God's going to understand. The deal is, the Bible says what? If we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. So why do you think the enemy tells us these things? He wants to distance us from God and keep us away from God, out of relationship with God, because every one of these things is a brick in that wall. I mean, we have the power of choice. God could have made us love him, but there's a reason he didn't. If somebody makes you love them, that's not really love, is there? That's coercion. And so a lot of our walk with God is sacrificial because it grates against absolutely everything our flesh wants to do. It grates against everything our flesh wants to do. And let's face it, how many of you, don't raise your hands, I want you to think about this statement. How many of you, if you knew somebody was deceiving you, would actually be deceived? We don't know when we're being deceived. It's why we fight so hard. We're like, no, I got it. I understand. This is the deal. No, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. And it's like, no, you're being deceived. So Proverbs tells us more than once, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. So let's unpack that one. A way... That seemeth right to man. That's the problem, isn't it? We live in this flesh, and this flesh will always choose the path of least resistance. I'm just going to tell you, when it's leg day, I, I went to the gym with Eric a couple of weeks ago because I thought, yeah, this is good. He's going to push me. He's going to challenge me. We're going to do things we've never done before. And I was good until he started handing me weights about 10 pounds heavier than what I was used to lifting. And when he started handing me those pound, those weights that were 10 pounds heavier, I was like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. Take it off of me. And he's like, no, you've got this. You could do it. And But my flesh, after after I did that with him there helping me, I was like, whoa, I really could do it. 
See, my flesh was really quick to choose the path of least resistance. And it's not just that way, whether it's conflict with a person or situations we have to deal with. It's that way in our relationship with God. You know, God talks about tithing in his word, but that's not just a biblical concept. Have you ever thought about the idea of tithing your time? How many hours do we have in a week? And we complain about the, the three hours we spend at church on a Sunday or a pastor feels like he's got to make a qualification overall. You know, we have come to the place where prayer on a Monday night and on a Wednesday night is a 30-minute block. And we have a problem with that? How many hours are there in a week? We have seven days a week, 365 days a year, and we want to complain about the 30 minutes on a Monday night, and we schedule things for that? How insane is that? It's not pastor we're resisting. It's our flesh, and it is the Spirit of God that we are having an issue with at that point. Did you know that the enemy, as the accuser, will even... He's going to accuse other people to you, but he's going to accuse you to yourself. He's going to tell you things like, you really messed that one up. You are such a loser. You, you, you know what? You might as well not go now. You're going to be 10 minutes late. They started prayer. You 10 minutes late. You might as well not even show up. Everybody's going to be looking at you, and they're going to know you're late. How about, nobody cares about you. They have more important things to do. How about, okay, when he starts accusing others to you, this one. Did you see the way they looked at you? Did you see the way they looked at you? Oh, my gosh. Or how about this one? Because it's always like this, right? If one of you is hearing, did you see the way he looked at you, somebody else is going, did you see that? He didn't even look at you. He didn't even pay attention to you today. Who does he think he is? Right? And so the accusations begin to fly, and if... We don't know the word of God, right? Because things like God could never forgive you, that's nothing further. That, there's nothing further from the truth than that because the Bible tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God also says when we start hearing things like, yeah, you know, God for, could forgive everybody else but you. You've really messed up this time. God's not going to forgive that one. You've gone too far and you can't come back. Yeah, well, the Bible tells me in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, God is not a respecter of persons. That means what he's done for me, he's going to do for you. And what he's done for you, he's going to do for me. He doesn't see me any differently than he sees you. He loves us both equally. Satan is a thief. John 10, 10 tells us, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Who are our actions aligning us with? We can have all the best intentions in the world, but have you ever heard the phrase that the road to hell is paved with good intentions? I was, I was going to do that. I was going to read my Bible tomorrow. It, you know, I woke up late today, and I didn't get to read it today. I didn't, sorry I didn't get to spend time with you, God. But I promise, tomorrow I'm getting up 30 minutes earlier, and I'm going to get up, and I'm going to read my Bible and spend time with you then. Well, what's wrong with right now? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with right now. But the enemy, if he can get us to procrastinate and to have intentions that we never act on, that's where we trip ourselves up and get in trouble. That some, that'll show us our true alignment. Uh, Sister Maddie said in her teaching last week, you know, 
where we spend our time speaks a lot about our intentions. You know, we will make time for the things that are important to us. We'll make excuses for the things that aren't. And I'm going to tell you what, I've been through periods in my life where I'm full of excuses. Anything that encourages us to spend less time with God, let me rephrase, let me say that again, anything, 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 anything that encourages us to spend less time with God is not of God. That can be a television That can be a job that says, I'm sorry, you have to do shift work and you're going to have to work through. I mean, yeah, we have to work. But guess who gave us our job? And the enemy's going to make it look good, right? The enemy's going to say, oh, but here's this job. It's much better and much more money. Yeah, there are a few little things that you have to sacrifice for it. But if time with God and time with the body is one of the things you have to sacrifice, then guess where that job is not from? Anything that takes our peace is not of God. The Bible tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And anything that is contrary to the nature of God and who he is, is not of God. We've got to remember, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Let's read that last line one more time. And bringing into captivity every thought. Look at your neighbor and say, every thought to the obedience of Christ. See, the enemy can do one thing very well. He drops thoughts in our mind. They sound a lot like the accusations. They sound a lot like questioning. They sound a lot like doubt. They sound a lot like a lot of different things. It can be deceptive. It can be questioning. It can be accusing. But what do you do with those thoughts? When you hear a thought that says... Did you see what she did? Did you see how she looked at you? You wouldn't be able to get away with that. When those accusations start flying, do you entertain it? Or do you immediately go, shut up and get out of my head? You have no place here. There were plenty of times I'm sure my children thought I was nuts because I would be like, and it wasn't them. I was like literally having this conversation with the devil. I'd be like, shut up and get out of my ear. You have, and I used to tell my kids in Sunday school, it's the one person you could say shut up to is the devil. You could say shut up and get out of my ear. And we have to mean it, not please just shut up and get out of my ear. I don't think I could take it anymore if you keep talking to me like that. No. No. If somebody were breaking into your house, taking your money, taking your television, coming in, grabbing your child, and taking them out of that house, would you be like, please, please don't do that to me. You'd be like, get out of my house now. You are not welcome. You have no place. You have no authority. You have nothing. You're not going to do anything that the Lord is not going to allow. And guess what? That's a very short list. So we got to know who we're dealing with. Do we discern correctly in those situations? 
Or do we entertain those thoughts and be the voice of those thoughts and be the vessel that the enemy uses, not just to spread lies, but to create division among the body? Well, we've heard a lot of don'ts, right? We've heard a lot of just negative, but I'm going to tell you what, we have power. We've got the Holy Ghost. We talked about it at the beginning. Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We can plead the blood over things. There is power in the blood. It still flows freely and readily. Whether that's our minds to protect our minds and the thoughts that enter in. We don't have to turn on that television that sits and just shoves junk and junk and junk inside of us. We've got to learn to bring our flesh under subjection and take this. Turn all your notifications off and put it away. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 directs us. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just and pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue... And if there be any praise, think on these things. We've got to ask ourselves, what are we thinking on? What are we allowing our minds to dwell on? The battle for our souls and the fight for our faith is a very interactive and intentional one. And if I'm just running through the motions all day, every day, listening to just something as background noise, I can't be very intentional. So we've got to be intentional about that. Just like a bit works in the mouth of a horse, The enemy knows that if he can take control over our minds and engage us in that battle for any length of time and we don't resist, he has a great shot at changing our course. It's why we've got to constantly engage with God through prayer, through fasting, and through his words. We've got to follow the directive of 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 23, which tells us, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. We can quench the spirit all day, every day by things that we entertain in our thoughts and in our minds and the voices that we listen to. Like Peter when he stepped out of the boat, And begin to walk on water. Things begin to take a turn when we take our eyes off of God. And we begin to depend on ourselves. And we look at our circumstances. But we've got to do as David urged in Psalm 121 verses 1 through 2. I will lift mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord which made heaven and earth. It's only through keeping our eyes on God. And in a constant conversation with him and through studying to show ourselves approved that we're going to have the ability to discern the tactics of the enemy and to see things for what they really are. So why don't you please stand with me? I want to pray that as we go forth today, that this is a new beginning A new beginning for new thought processes. Now, I'm going to tell you what. You know how it works. When you start trying to get closer to God, when you start trying to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have a battle on your hands. 
Because the enemy hasn't had to do anything to hold on to you thus far. He's just thrown little thoughts in your mind and kept you occupied otherwise without paying attention to the real battle that's sitting right in front of you. And so I want to pray today that as a church, collectively, this is a new beginning for us where we come back to that grounding and understanding of where the real battle lies and that, you know, there's a song that says, I'm a soldier in the army and I'm marching to victory. Lord, I won't, help me out, Bishop. I won't uh, turn back. I won't turn around. I'm marching heaven bound, right? We used to sing songs about that. Satan, this is it. I'm tired of taking it. Satan, we declare war, right? When did we stop fighting? Stop and think. When did we stop fighting? We just became victims all of a sudden. But I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. By the blood of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Ghost that lives in me, I am a victor, and you are too. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much. I thank you, God, for God, that we can come to your word, Lord, to seek answers. God, that we can come to your word and know you. God, that we have the, the benefit of having it right at our fingertips because I know that there are nations that don't know. God, I thank you, Lord, that in the... Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.